Farm Food Facts, where every farmer, every acre, and every voice matter. Welcome to Farm Food Facts for Wednesday, October 9th, 2019. I'm your host, Phil Lempert. Today, our thought leader is Joe Koss, president and CEO of Culver Franchising System, the franchiser for nearly 700 Culver's restaurants in 25 states with over 20,000 team members. We have an update. Culver's and its Thank You Farmers project has raised $2.5 million to support agriculture education since its inception six years ago. So far this year, in 2019, over 400000 has been raised from their customers. To quote Joe, we're facing a turning point in agriculture, and the responsibility to feed a growing population falls on all of us, not just farmers. In addition to supporting agriculture education efforts, Culver's is joining the efforts of national organizations in support of agriculture's future. Mr. Koss is a newly appointed member of the U.S. Farmers and Ranchers Alliance Board of Directors. USFRA represents farmer and rancher-led organizations and food agriculture partners with a common vision to further our global sustainable food systems. Later in the podcast, we'll talk to Bo Stone, who, along with his parents and wife, Missy, grow 2,300 acres of corn, wheat, and soybeans. They also raise approximately 10,000 pigs every year and have 60 cows. In addition, they also grow two and a half acres of strawberries and four acres of sweet corn that they sell at their own roadside market. But first, Joe Koss. Joe, thanks for joining us on Farm Food Facts. Thank you, Phil. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Culver's has a unique relationship with farmers. You've raised almost $2 million for ag education and developed the Thank You Farmers Project. How did your connection with farmers get started? Yeah, I think our connection goes back to our roots of, of where Culver's got its start. Uh, the Culver family opened the, the very first uh, restaurant back in 1984 in the, the small Wisconsin uh, rural community of Sauk City. And uh, I think that that connection has just grown from there. And uh, we certainly have a, a great appreciation for the hardworking farm families and and we really know that we wouldn't be uh, the success we are today without the uh, great farmers providing and, and growing the delicious food that our restaurants serve each and every day. Joe, I, I really have to commend you on the program because while we see a lot of supermarkets out there, you know, honoring the farmer, putting up farmer pictures and the like, it's really pretty unusual on the food service side to to hear from um, an operator such as yourself really talking about you know the farmer this this appreciation for food why is this program so important to you well for us it's it's just a natural connection you know we've supported various causes over the years but this thank you farmers project really resonates with us as again we we understand you know we wouldn't be able to serve the high quality food that we do without the uh, the farmers producing it for us and uh, our thank you farmers project has been around about 7 years now and it continues uh, to grow for us but um it's it goes beyond just showing our appreciation for those farmers it's it's also a way for us to uh, better uh, understand and uh, learn about farming practices uh, so we can talk to our guests about that. Uh, but as well, uh, we understand that uh, we want to make sure there's a sustainable food supply going forward. The trends are showing that, that populations will continue to grow and, and there are limited resources. And so this is a way for us to 
really uh, provide support for those future leaders in agriculture because we're all going to need them. We are, that's for sure. Joe, I want to go back to something you said about sharing the information with your guests. Um, how do you do that? How, do, how does you know a, a customer who comes into Culver's really understand where the food is coming from and the role of the farmer? Yeah, I think we do that in a, a number of different ways, and it starts with our, our marketing program. We we have a uh, marketing campaign uh, that we've been running for a number of years that, that we call Welcome to Delicious, and uh, through yeah. some of our uh, TV spots, we're, we're able to feature uh, our co-founder, Craig Culver, along with many of our great suppliers, as well as farmers uh, in those spots, and uh, uh, they can tell the story directly, which uh, we believe has resonated with our guests. But in addition to that, we're using certainly uh, websites and social media to tell a, a deeper story about where our food comes from and, and how it's prepared. And we want that to be honest and accurate. So the more we learn, the, the better uh, we can tell that story to our guests. So I'm going to put you on the spot for a second. Um, did you ever get like this really strange question from one of your guests about farmers that you just had to scratch your head and say, I have no idea. I better call the farmer. Yeah, no, certainly today um, our guests are more curious about where their food comes from and they're, they're asking more and more questions. And sometimes, you know, we have to say, let's, uh, let's check into that and, and, and get back to you. And, and, you know, through this Thank You Farmers project, we've been able to talk directly to farmers, talk directly to ag organizations like USFRA uh, to learn more uh, about where our food comes from. And um, then we can then, in turn, better educate our guests on that. I want to delve into that a little bit more. How and why is Culver's working with the U.S. Farmers and Ranchers Alliance? Yeah, so this, I think, is just a, a natural progression for our Thank You Farmers project. We want to continue to build relationships uh, with the agriculture community. And uh, we've had relationships with farmers and the FFA and, and now with the, the USFRA and just another great resource for us and, and this connection to uh, directly to, to farmers and ranchers. And I think building those relationships is, is just very beneficial. We're, we're really all a, a part of agriculture. They're, they're growing it for us and we're serving it to, to the guests. So let's, uh, let's continue to gain alignment. Uh, and that's just beneficial for all of us. Absolutely. Well, Joe, thank you for your commitment, your support of farmers and ranchers across the nation. It's, it's important. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to getting a Culver's in Santa Monica soon. Well, uh, who knows? Someday. We're in uh, 25 states today. And uh, someday uh, we'll, uh, we'll get into uh, California as well. And now for the news you need to know. Cover crops could help protect our food from the climate's severe weather. Fifth-generation farmer Brian Corkle called the spring of 2019 the wettest spring he'd ever seen in his 29 years of tending the land. These volatile, rainy springs are becoming the norm in the upper Midwest and will likely occur more often as the climate continues to warm. Severe flooding triggers soil loss, which is a crisis on a grand scale when it occurs in the region that provides a vast amount of our food supply. The Midwest is home to one of the globe's greatest stores of topsoil, but more than half has been lost over the past 50 years. 
Topsoil is the fragile, slow to regenerate resource that drives agriculture. The soil's ability to trap water is crucial during summer droughts and heat waves, which are also expected to become more frequent as the climate continues to grow warmer. Food ultimately draws its nutrients from the soil, and degraded soils produce crops with lower levels of protein and nutrients. What can make the difference is utilizing practices that hold soil in place and build up its carbon content. And some growers are beginning to realize the value of sowing cover crops, plants that stay in the ground over winter, holding their soil when the hard rains come in the spring. For instance, when heavy spring rains lash the farm this year, the rye buffered the soil from the rain's impact. The live roots plunge deep into the ground and provide an extra level of protection from erosion. And even though these bouts of severe weather can be extremely difficult to deal with, there is still something to take away. Tough planting season offers lessons for the future. Midwest farmers like Corkill, who endured an especially challenging planting season this year, will take away several lessons. It is the first time in my life that I started planting in June. It was a terrible spring, said Illinois farmer Brian Anderson. A planting window simply didn't open for Anderson until June. Although he worked the ground in April, he could not get into plant until 35 days later. Anderson hopes to get a grain in as a cover crop and to continue his rotation back to soybeans next year. Seed is available, but it's expensive. This is the first year of a new study at the research farm on drainage and irrigation constructing a retention pond that will hold water from heavy spring rains that can be recycled for irrigation during drier periods in midsummer. About 15 inches of rain poured down in April and another 15 inches in June, giving them plenty of water in the pond. However, because of the extremely wet weather, they were not able to install the tillings as they had planned to feed the pond. Therefore, construction is ongoing and an irrigation system is being set up so that it's ready for next season. And for those interested in grains as a cover crop, a new grain could be a step forward for eco-friendly agriculture. Cereals and craft beers are now being made with a new variety of perennial grain known as Kernza. Proponents say this marks a significant advance for new agriculture that procures from the wild prairie and could help ensure sustainable food production in a warming world. The goal is to mitigate a lot of the problems inherent in annual grain farming systems, said Tim Cruz, research director at the Land Institute. Kernza is a domesticated wild grass, intermediate wheatgrass, with a long slender head that resembles wheat seeds. Its flavor is described as sweet and nutty and is being made into a cereal called Honey Toasted Kernza, as well as a limited run beer called Long Root Pale Ale. It's time to head to the farm with Bo Stone, a North Carolina farmer from PNS Farms. So, Bo, I understand you, you started farming when you were eight years old. What was that about? Well, you know, growing up on a family farm, it was an expectation that as soon as you were old enough, you started helping out. Uh, we were traditionally tobacco farmers, and at eight years old, I was old enough to help uh, a little bit with the harvest and different things. So, from the time I was old enough to walk and follow my dad around, I was... I was out there, but now at eight, I actually had a job and responsibilities to, to help. So you've expanded from tobacco to now, you know, uh, over 2,300 acres of corn, wheat, soybeans, 
you've got 10,000 pigs, you've got 60 cows, you've got two and a half acres of strawberries, you've got four acres of sweet corn. I mean, you have your own roadside market. So you've really evolved um, out of tobacco in, in a huge way. We really have. You know, I like to pick and tell that we're diversified, not because we want to be, but because we have to be. But that's not really true. We like the fact <laughs> that we do use and grow several different crops, and we're into a lot of different markets, and it helps us spread our labor out. It also is ensuring that we have a farm that is diversified and large enough to bring that eighth generation back into when, when they're ready. So everything that we're doing and the diversifying that we've done has been with that eye on to the future. What's interesting to me is you do a lot of outreach. And in fact, you, you bring kids uh, from school to the farm. Tell me about that. And how many kids have you actually brought to the farm so far? I, you know, I don't really know the number there, but we do think that it's very important that children especially understand where their food comes from. And if they can relate back to what they had for breakfast that morning, that it could have been grown on a farm like Farmer Bo has, you mm -hmm. know, that, that will stick with them and that will give them, an, uh, you know, a little sense of, of how agriculture really works, that farm-to-table process. Uh, you know, it just lets them see that a little better. Talk to me a little bit about your roadside market. What made you decide to have that? Um, what's the reaction that you get from people who stop by there? Um, and again, you know, just building on what you said about, you know, kids understanding where their food comes from. Don't we have the same problem with adults that a lot of adults don't know where the food comes from? You're exactly right. Uh, so many adults don't know either. Uh, we kind of try to concentrate on those kids because we can bring a lot of kids in at one time. And hopefully as they grow, they'll remember that lesson. And when they have children, they'll continue to come back. Uh, we started growing strawberries. We were looking for an opportunity when, when my first child was born, and she's almost 18 now. We were looking for a way for my wife to quit her off-the-farm job. And we were looking for something that the entire family could participate in. Mm -hmm. I knew that we wouldn't be in tobacco forever, but I was looking for something that everybody could participate in and could have a role and could you know, be a, a, a draw for our farm, and the strawberries have worked out well. Uh, as far as our roadside stand, you know, that's been a really good uh, marketing uh, market for us. Uh, we started out, you know, with less than a half acre of strawberries and just through, we'll call it word of mouth, you know, that folks like the quality and they like to be able to get the fresh berries, and so they come out, and, and we've been able to expand there, and we're, we're, we're giving the consumer something that they want which is a high-quality, fresh fruit. You know, and, and what's interesting to me, Bo, is when I go into a supermarket um, sometimes uh, versus a roadside stand and I pick up a strawberry, you know, it might be bright red on the outside, but then I take a bite and, you know, it's sort of like tasteless and crunchy. So, you know, having, having a farm stand where you can get it, you know, as fresh as it was just picked, um, that's a huge benefit. It really is. And a lot of that is the varieties that we grow. Uh, we grow something that's really good for that fresh market, and it's going to be red and juicy all the way through and with a great taste. Uh, we try to make sure that everybody that comes to our stand, that if they get a strawberry, it's left in the field last night. In other words, we only pick what we sell that day. We don't carry any over from day to day. So you can rest assured if you get a strawberry from us that it is truly a fresh berry. 
some of the local supermarkets, they buy directly from farmers like us. And, of course, we'll deliver several times a week to make sure that they keep a fresh strawberry in. I really like keeping it local is good for everyone in the community when you can make that happen. Absolutely. You know, keeping it local means more nutrients, uh, better taste, better price, you know, all, all of the above. Earlier in the podcast, I was speaking with Joe Koss, who's the CEO of, of Culver's, and I, I was fascinated by their program uh, called Thank You Farmers, um, where they've raised, you know, millions of dollars for agriculture. Um, they really want, you know, everybody that visits their restaurants to know where the food comes from, know about the farmers. How do you feel as a farmer about a program like Thank You Farmers from Culver's? I think it's a great program and, and for a lot of different reasons. You know, it's tying the food that you're getting there at Culver's back to a local farmer. And I think that that's a wonderful opportunity. And consumers want to know where their food is coming from as well. They have questions about it, and they can have a have an assurance that, hey, I can put a face to that. I know where it comes from. I know that that's going to be uh, high quality. I know it's going to be safe for my family. And, and all of those questions can be answered that way. I think it's a great campaign. I do appreciate them you know, reaching out to the farmers and thanking the farmers and, and all because at the end of the day, not only am I feeding my family, but I'm feeding yours too, and I'm not going to do anything to, to harm either one. Well, Bo, thank you so much for joining us um, on the podcast. Yes, sir, to you as well. And thank you for joining us on Farm Food Facts. For more information on all things food and agriculture, and to listen to our archives, please visit fooddialogues.com under the Programs and Media tab. And be sure to visit us on Facebook at U.S. Farmers and Ranchers or on Twitter at USFRA. Until next week.